Hello and welcome to Motorsport Now. My name is Jay Paveley and today's guest is Chloe Anna Jones. She was a great girl to have on the podcast. She does everything to do with motorsport, two and four wheel. She works for Motorsport UK, she's a scrutineer, she's a 2019 British Cross Country Champion and also she was second overall in the 2019 UAE Baja Championship. Uh, she's just motorsport mad and everything she does is to do with either two or four wheels. So I won't spoil anything. Enjoy listening to the interview. She speaks really well. And although we had quite a formal interview at the beginning, we just ended up chatting towards the end about girly stuff. <laughs> just enjoy that bit and listen to something a bit different from the normal motorsport conversation, I guess, really. <laughs> but she's really an inspirational person because she just gets on with it and she's not afraid to try things. And that's what I really did admire about her. By the end of this podcast, I thought, wow, what a great girl. So I hope you feel equally inspired. Without further ado, here is Chloe Jones. My name's Chloe Jones and I'm 21 years old. I am a massive enthusiast for motorsport. I literally live and breathe it. Um, I'm a scrutineer, a capacitor. I literally do every kind of thing I can in motorsport. And your day job is working for Motorsport UK? Yeah, so at the moment I'm working for Motorsport UK. It's been my dream job for a few years. And it's just such a fantastic company to work with. And obviously I started off scrutinizing with them. So it's a bit of a, it's brilliant. And you, you've also worked right in the background. So you're one of those fantastic people that marshaled on events. So you really know the sport from marshalling right up to working with the, the governing body of the sport and competing. Yeah, it started off with a bit of fun to be fair. So when I'm in comp safaris, like um, cross country, which is what I'm involved in, um, been involved in it all my life. And me and my sister and her fiance, my family we just started like marshalling and it became a bit of fun like you'd be on your post and you spend a whole day with your friends laughing and you'd see the sport and everything so this is like going back to like I think like 2012 13 we started marshalling wow. and then the it's whole so family young. just yeah yeah literally I was like 13 when we started doing it and um yeah so I started off the marshalling and then I started scrutinizing it it actually came from my university um they sent volunteers to Wales Valley GB in 2017 I think it was and I was like oh okay I'll go like I was a first year kind of thing and I absolutely loved it to the point where obviously they asked me to go back and then that's when I started training to be a scrutineer so it was literally a volunteer kind of do you want to go we send students and I was like yeah yeah I'll go like and now I'm licensed like who would have thought it <laughs> So you must be quite technical to be a scrutineer and like have your degree, your background with that as well. Yeah, like with my degree, like we did everything. So we stripped engines and stuff like that. But I think the main thing is like knowing where to find things. I think that's a big key point for scrutineers. It's like, obviously you get this blue book and it's not knowing every regulation, like what ball this is or what dynamic dimensions anything is. It's basically knowing where to find it, which is obviously... I have a really good memory, <laughs> which really helps. That is useful. That is really, really yeah. useful. And do you mind, like, because for me as a competitor, I get really nervous when I queue up for scrutineering. I've never really got over that, like, worry about it. I'm like, I'm, like not hiding anything, but I just think just in case something's wrong and then, you know, we've traveled this way and then we can't compete. Like, I just think of the worst case scenario. But do you get that vibe when you're scrutineering with people? How do you try and deal with that? Yeah, so I'm 
it's kind of hard because I feel the same way still when I go to scrutiny and as you just described like I hate it like you never know even if you've prepped your car you're just like what if I've forgotten what's gone wrong kind of thing like yeah so I just try and be as friendly as possible with people because at the end of the day like, I know how anxious I am at scrutineering like it's a horrible experience like and it's not down to the people like the scrutineers it's just the fact they're scrutin scrutineering your car like what's wrong with it if you know what I mean like yeah I just try and be as friendly as possible like if there is something wrong you just talk to them as if they're a normal person like my key point is like you don't want to take someone out of the event you want everyone to race so if you can do something to help them like or Demon Tweaks is just down the road, they'll have X, Y, Z, go get it and come back, then that's like, I just want to help them kind of thing. So I'd want someone to do the same to me when I'm competing. You do a lot of off-road, uh, two and four wheel. Why did you choose that particular form of motorsport? Is it because of your family or because of the influence that you've done with marshalling and watching and just liking what you saw? Where did it come from? Family background, really. Because um, obviously my parents do the Dakar, my dad, actually very first started out in bikes which is obviously where my biking comes into my dad was um, British Enduro champion so I fall into it from that but um, my dad used to do all the same events that I do now um, does all the comps far as the hill rallies and everything so it was kind of like I was always involved in Land Rovers from a young age like I always used to do the bike trials and everything at the event so it was just natural like you know every Easter and everything I would still go to the event so it was just kind of like that's the area I would go into when I started competing. So yeah, so I just, you join a club and they become family. And that was like, you just want to start competing with your family kind of thing. Oh, that's really nice. You do become one big family in motorsport, don't you? Even though you are competing against each other. Um, have you really missed the competition and how hard have you found it not competing? It's been really weird, yeah. Like, it's not just the competing, I think it's the family base of it all. Cause like, like I say, when we go to events, like people that don't even compete, they come to marshal, they come to socialise, they come to help everyone out. And it's weird because you miss it. Like we'd go for like a whole weekend or like four days and you'd camp, like you'd only race on like the Sunday or Monday, but you'd spend like three days socialising, catching up with everyone. And it's a bit weird missing it all this year. Like they had, um, I think like two or three events on this year, but because I was working at Formula One, I was always away when these events were on and I was just a bit like my family was still there and I was seeing it over like snapchat and facebook and everything I was a bit like my heart was just being pulled away a bit I was like oh like I'm missing it so Chloe you also work in Formula One I can't keep up you're literally you're so car and motorsport orientated so you've got your day job with Motorsport UK you've got a trials bike that you play around with want to compete in and then you compete yourself in the Baja trucks like yes it's a bit like last year I worked at um, Racing Point for Formula One um so I did that like over the summer to the end of the year I was doing all their COVID-19 with all the regulations and everything traveling to all their events and that um I've got a trials bike yeah that's a bit just to try and get a bit more skill I'm a bit wobbly in places um and then I've got um two bikes um got a 250 Husqvarna and I've just bought a 2021 150 turns up tomorrow <laughs> and then I've got my comp safari car so it's just a bit I've got a big collection of toys that are in the garage at the moment you can't play with 
I hope you've got a big enough garage to fit them all in. Yeah, at some point my parents are going to kick me out. I'm going to have to find somewhere for them all. <laughs> You're not going to have a house. You're just going to have a garage with a bedroom at the top. Yeah, that would probably be the best thing. <laughs> or loads of land just to store them all on. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. How was it working for a Formula One team for the first time and having the restrictions of COVID? There was a lot of challenges. There, there was a lot um I think because everything was changing and we're going to all these countries and all the testing like my involvement was dealing with all the testing and making sure we complied with their COVID regulations and it was hard when you've got like there's like 100 people you're dealing with every day and they were testing like some days like in the space of a race week like we do like nearly 5,000 tests and like trying to remember who's tested and who's not was the hardest thing like and people you haven't ever met before as well um and then obviously when people got COVID and that then we had to deal with looking after them and things like that and if people ever got stuck in the country it was it was an eye-opener and it was a real great experience so yeah you can't fault it really especially when you get to go to all these places and see them all. How do you think you'll find it going from working in the glamorous life of Formula One to then going back to the the dirty and muddy tracks of competition when it gets going again? Yeah, it's a bit weird because I never went to circuits until 2019. Like I'd been to, I think, like one circuit or two. And then part of my scrutineering training, they were like, go to circuits. We want you to get all the experience. So I did a whole year at circuits. So I kind of knew my way around them a little bit. And it wasn't just like, oh, my God, it's just a streetcar kind of thing. Like I, I got the understanding. And then when I went to F1, I'd never watched uh, Grand Prix before. So when I did my first Grand Prix, I was actually watching it live, which is, it was weird, but it was an incredible feeling to be there on the start and you can watch it. That's one way to to watch your first Grand Prix. Definitely. What a brilliant experience. I guess because you haven't seen it before, I was going to ask you about how it's different, but I guess that's all you've known, really, if that's the first time. That's amazing. How did you think it was weird? Sorry, go on. It was there was no obviously spectators or fans or anything. Um, so my partner works in F1 as well, and obviously he knows the circuit and the atmosphere from when there's fans and everything. Yeah. So it's very weird coming home and being like, "Oh, this, this, this," and he'd be like, "Yeah, but there's no fans and there's no this." And I'm like, "Well, I have such a weird experience from it because of COVID, but then I have to thank COVID because I was there doing a job, if that makes sense." So I'm a bit like. I would have loved to experience it with fans and all this, but without COVID, I wouldn't have actually worked there, I don't think. Yeah, it's almost like a silver lining for you, really. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit weird. Yeah, it's a bit weird, but it's good that you seized the opportunity and just went for it. So that's a good thing. And for the rest of this year, then, if things get going and going forward, what's your plans with competition? So hopefully, um, my target is I want to retain my British Cross Country Championship title. Um that is uh, one I want to do because doing it two years on a, in a row kind of thing. Um, and then I want to get on the bike. Like I'm not really setting expectations on it, but I know in the back of my head, I do have expectations. Like I'm like, oh, I don't want to do well. And then I'll get there. And if I do bad, I'll be like, damn it. I wish, to, you know, I did well. But hopefully, yeah, get out and do the British Enduro Championship as one on a bike. Even if I fall off on the first corner, I just want to do it just to tick it off. Um, and then hopefully try and get abroad with the bikes, um, go and play in the desert somewhere, hopefully Morocco. 
um, just to go and it's a bit different from being in a car in the desert to being on a bike. So I need to try and transfer some skills and see if I actually like it or not in the desert before I start setting thousands of pounds on the Dakar. And that's your aim, Chloe, to do Dakar? Yeah, it's been one since I was a kid. Like when I, I had a little 50cc Honda and I was like, oh, one day I'm going to grow up and win the Dakar. And like I used to say it like I was so annoying as a kid just constantly like <laughs> revving this little bike like and everyone was like you're not gonna do it you, you passed it you I was on horses so they're like oh it's not gonna happen and then like I was like you know what I'm gonna go back and actually try and do it so yeah my aim is to do the Dakar on a bike um I want to do it in a car as well and most likely probably end up trying to do it in a truck as well just to do all three <laughs> just to be greedy. But why not? Because you've got these skill sets. I think that's absolutely brilliant. The fact that you're just willing to give it a go and you're not overthinking it, you just want to try it and do your best. Yeah. Is, that's brilliant. Yeah, and keeping like the mindset as well, like it's going to be, it's going to be a hard journey. And I think the journey actually being at Dakar will be harder than even trying to get to Dakar. So it's just a bit, I'll do it. I know I will at some point, it's just when, like, I will do it and I have the mindset kind of thing but I'll be going there whether or not I'm 80 or summer I will be there one day. <laughs> Good for you and you're going to obviously ride the bike that's yours you can do that by yourself obviously. Yeah. Really really hard though on a bike to do the navigation Dakar like that's gonna be hard but yeah. be navigating or driving if you went over on a truck? Uh, if I went like in a truck or a car I'd be co-driving. Um, I'd like to do it driving but co-driving I do really enjoy I don't think there's many people that can say they enjoy co-driving purely because it's just so confusing at times like when you get everything and you look at it and you're like and there's tracks going everywhere and you're like um which one like it's it's literally like an option of like a b c d and you're like guess well it's not guessing but you know that's what it feels like half the time you come across as quite easygoing, which I can imagine would be actually quite helpful when you're in really tough extreme conditions, especially in the desert. Having that almost laid back approach where you can just take things in your stride would be a really good thing. Um, what are the parts of your personality do you think helps with your navigating? I'm, I'm very, I see the good in everything. Like I am sometimes hot headed, like I like everything being perfect. So when things don't go perfect, sometimes it annoys me but being in the desert really taught me not to be like that like before I started co-driving out there I was like it has to be like bang 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 and then when I got out there I was like you need to be flexible like things don't always go to plan and that like yeah so I'm more laid back now like it's growth isn't it you've got to change and you've got to grow and yeah so I'm, I'm laid back I'm just but I know I'm in the back of my head. I'm like, come on, like, you've got 10 minutes, like, get ready. You know, proper time free. <laughs> it's good that you're organised and calm. That's definitely a nice, nice combination. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't quite balance, but yeah, <laughs> you have to pick your moments. Yes, I can imagine. And also you've got to read what your driver's feeling. And in those intense situations, that must be really difficult. Yeah, there's been many of arguments in the desert, but it's kind of what stays in the desert and like, you have them, things get heated kind of thing, like you get stuck and stuff like that, but you don't take it to heart because it's such an intense situation. Like you're literally thousands of miles into the desert, digging with the car up to its axles, like, and there's just you two. And it's weird that you you just go to have an argument with each other instead of working together. But 
in the end, you do work together and you get out. But because you have to, yeah. don't you? There's not much choice. Yeah, it definitely teaches your team skills. Yeah, I can imagine that must be that must seem like such an extreme thing to then go back to the office and work day to day with doing scrutiny at a car circuit, for instance. Like it's quite a contrast, but I guess it's all good perspective for you. Yeah, it keeps it interesting, which is the main thing. You don't do the same thing day in, day out. It's just everything changes, which is what I like. And tell us about some of the events that you have done. If you could give us a very brief timeline, that might be helpful just for people listening. Um, so I first started co-driving in Raleigh in 2015. Was it 2016? Um, and the same year, what was it? I'm trying to think now. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> and then, um, oh no. It doesn't it have to be exactly the right. <laughs> yeah, 2015, I started co driving. And then 2016, I bought my car um, and did my first event around September time, um, which is also why my number's 308, because I bought it on the 30th of August. Oh. So that was kind of like keeping it a bit, you know, it always reminds me of it um and then 2018 I started competing in the desert so in the UAE and then in 2019 I started competing in the FIA World Cross Country Championships internationally um and then obviously Covid hit so I was meant to go back out again last year um to do the same events like the Dubai International Baja and the Abu Dhabi Desert Challenge but I think it was like four or five days before I was due to fly out there that we got told it's not happening like get the team out of the country kind of thing and yeah I had my suitcase packed and everything oh, sorry <laughs> but, yeah yeah and then obviously so 2019 I decided to get a bike again so against my parents wishes I bought a bike <laughs> and then started to ride it thankfully where I lived back in Cheshire excuse me um we had land so I was able to ride during lockdown and that um and then obviously I just upped my bike and you know progressed a bit on that and yeah so it's there's a lot more into it like as you probably know everyone has like when they do events I've got loads of them it's just hard like when you think about it you're like what events have I done? <laughs> no, it's fine. Well, you can always follow you on social media. It's no problem. We have a good look through. Yeah. How have you found it getting sponsors to do all your events? Um, it's difficult. Obviously, in cross country, there's not many sponsors. Like, it's a very family-oriented sport. So it's always, like, if you see sponsors on the side of your car or something, it's always their business that they're advertising. It just looks like people have sponsors. I guess it's the same kind of in every bit of sport. But I've been very lucky to be partnered with Morris Lubricants. So this is now my third year with them, which I'm extremely grateful. I mean, they support me so much. And obviously when it's like your engine, your gearbox and everything, all the oils, like they're such key parts to your car. And if they don't work, you've got no chance of winning like championships or anything. Like, so I do have to say to Morris, thank you, because they have been so great with everything. They support me on my bikes as well um obviously they do everything they do trucks bikes you name it morris lubricants provide oils for everything um so yeah so i'm grateful that they support me on my bikes as well whatever i seem to be doing they support me and it's it's nice to have the support from a company that you become them friendly with so you know them personally and stuff like that 
Yeah, they sound like they've been a good long-term partner and fingers crossed they carry on sponsoring you with uh, your Dakar dreams. That's so exciting. That's really It would be nice to go to Dakar with them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It'd be a real story to go from clubman level motorsport to Dakar with the same sponsor. Be nice. That would be absolutely brilliant. And I must ask, and I'm sorry to ask this because I get asked this and I get annoyed by it, but how do you find it being a woman in motorsport? Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> Great, good answer. In all fairness, there's not much to it. Like, when you go to our sport, like, our club events in cross-country, like, you're just one of the guys. Like, I don't know if that's me. I am, I'm a guy. I'm in the garage. I'm hanging around with all my friends and lads kind of thing. I'm fixing my car. I'm a guy. So I don't find it that bad. Like, I'd like to think I'm a very friendly person. So people approach me maybe sometimes in the wrong way um, as being a girl but it, it's not so much a dis- disadvantage it's more of an advantage I guess to you but I wouldn't change it no and I must say like I I think it's brilliant that you can go and do these massive big events because I think as you said it's just you are one of the guys but you're always going to take the extra suitcase with all the extra stuff that you might have to take on the trip or something like yeah that is the hard part you always have to take more like when I was going to the events with F1 like the guys would just take a suitcase they take like their xbox and stuff like that like half my suitcase was full of like shampoos and everything like I can't have a two-in-one shampoo for my hair and everything like no that was the only (laughs) downfall like I have had half a suitcase for everything like your makeup and everything yeah and the thing is and then you've got to go to the airport with all your makeup as well and make sure that's all ready for you it's so yeah it is a challenge <laughs> first world problems yeah like mostly first world problems but i know what you mean to an extent i know you're going abroad but going from north yeah. wales to a uh, goodwin in chichester for me is always an absolute drama because you've got to like bring your dress you've got to bring your helmets you've got to bring the extra dress the extra shoes all the like evening outfits yeah that one thing is always trying to remember what to take because like i've been in Dubai and that and I've just gone I'm only racing it's fine I'll just pack like work clothes and then suddenly you're oh let's go for a dinner and I'm like what am I wearing my racer <laughs> yeah exactly you've got to take all those extra things guys can just whack a different top on and they'll be all right but it's yeah only. I love how you said they take their xboxes with them yeah they do people just take I guess it's comfort isn't it if you're going to be stuck in a hotel room why not take your Xbox and everything like that? What would you say is essential to take if you're going to the desert to compete? What would you take? Chocolate. Chocolate <laughs> or food. Something along the lines of that. I'm a very... I will admit I'm bad for my sugary foods and, like, Jelly Babies, Haribo. But I know bikers use that for fuel, like, for fuel their body. So I'm like, oh, it's benefit. Like, Wait, they do it, it's fine. <laughs> But yeah, chocolate, anything along that lines is is my essential. Like my bag will be packed. In fact, whenever I go away, I always take my own food, like some form of like UK yeah. food, like even if it's a pot noodle or something. Because yeah. I know then if I get hungry or something like that, I have a pot noodle or some biscuits. Like, yeah. hey ho, my bag is made up of chocolate and makeup. <laughs> and it's probably all melted from the Dubai heat, just like your bag. Sometimes, honestly, you come to your bag and you're like, oh, I've got chocolate. And you're like, smelted like in yeah then you have to just kind of make what you can out of it oh god obviously melted chocolate with all the sand in the desert oh that sounds awful sorry bringing the sand back's the worst part oh yeah the sand is everywhere doesn't it 
Yeah, I always come back with my suitcase and you pull your overalls out and there's just sand in your pockets or in your boots. And yeah, it's hey, it's, it's a bit enjoyable because when you come back, you've got it with you still. <laughs> Exactly, it's like you should have little jars, you know, how people go travel yeah. around the world. You can have like this is from this desert and this race, and then this one was from this one. I used to do that as a kid. I used right. to bring bottles of sand back from certain deserts, my friends. I would never bring them like a gift, I would just bring them a bottle of sand. Like now I look back <laughs> on it, I'm like, it's a bit weird. It's quite trendy now that they've put in a glass jar, put a nice little label on it. Too. I know, like all these. <laughs> people just have like bottles of sand like it wasn't even a nice bottle it was just kind of like a one litre water bottle kind of thing <laughs> there you go all scrumpled up <laughs> yeah should start selling them now but again it's a not a I don't know if this is too gully I won't keep you too long because I know you've got to go get your food shopping this evening you're you're out your essential journey for the day yeah. but I always find it an absolute pain with makeup and rallying because I get really hot in my car and like eyebrows is an absolute nightmare I've got the microblade in the end so I didn't have to put stuff on and like I think you my dad always used to get really annoyed because he didn't want me wearing makeup because he said look you're not there to put makeup on me you're there to drive and yeah I totally get that and that's exactly what I'm there for but it's your wall paint isn't it it's what that's what yeah. you normally wear every day and it's your confidence sometimes how do you get on with that I honestly I started out wearing makeup like it was my comfort like kind of thing like I was always like have to put my makeup on and then you'd come back and you'd have sand everywhere and in the end like I mean I wore fake eyelashes and that like the eyelash extensions at times and in the end I just accepted the fact that they're just a pain like when you've finished an event all you want to do is rub your eyes like I don't know about you but I just I just want to grab my hand and rub my eye and I'm like you do it and then you're like oh mascara's everywhere or um in the end yeah in the end I just basically I just accepted the fact basically I can't wear makeup <laughs> it, it just got so hard work like you don't want that distraction if it's going to be really yeah. annoying like I, I will do it before an event like if I'm not actually racing like yeah okay my appearance is everything kind of thing like I love to look good so I will do it if it's scrutineering kind of thing but when it actually comes to the event I'm like right okay like I mean my hair's a straight back sweat kind of thing I'm like no pictures please <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah it's yeah it's the ones that like it's okay when you've got your helmet on and stuff but when it's when you take it off I don't those films that have all like you know biker shapes you'll know if you you bike but like then they take the helmet off and like swishing it around looking fat there's no way like if you've got foundation on you'll have like a line around here where the helmet's taking it off and your hair's like stuck to your head <laughs> yeah they, what they don't show you is when you're riding your bike you get mud in the back of your hair so it all is. you get is one big clot of hair and mud like I can't plait hair so I like and my partner can't otherwise I'd plait it so literally every time I'm on my bike, I come back with a big mm, like knot of modern hairs. It's not quite an advert worthy. No, I didn't know you got mud in your hair. I guess it all just like comes up, I guess. Yeah, it just it all just flicks up and yeah, I just wash it off. It's just it's just one of those. I'm sure I'll find at some point a trick on how to put your hair nice and tidy or something. Maybe we could do a tutorial, but maybe that can be like yeah. a thing for lockdown. <laughs> It'll probably help some people if I could find something like that. It must be a whole girl issue in motorsport needing where to put the hair. 
it's funny we don't really talk about things like that really I mean we're there for the competition but it's still something that we as women in motorsport have to deal with yeah in all fairness one trick because obviously I came from show jumping horses um I might actually do a video on how I used to do it like you'd put your hair in like a ponytail and then put it on the top of your head and then put your hat on and then it would give like a lovely like clean look like I've not tried it for racing but I feel like that might work I'm gonna have to give it a go now you can ask to let us know how you get on definitely yeah yeah why not otherwise if you see it on an event I'll cut your hair for you no problem yeah thank you <laughs> is there anything else you want to add Chloe otherwise we'll be here talking all night which would be lovely but um <laughs> I know you need to have your tea <laughs> yeah no I need to go get my shopping <laughs> yeah well thanks ever so much and uh thank you very much for being a guest on the show and this is motorsport now so I hope everyone's enjoyed it Thank you so much for listening to Motorsport Now. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. It was a little bit different from normal, but I really enjoyed chatting to us, so I hope you did too. If you do want to follow Chloe or myself on our Instagram pages, follow Chloe Jones at Chloe Jones and myself at Jade Paveley Motorsport. Um, thank you ever so much for listening. And if you want to get on board with my motorsport journey, then again, just get in touch on my social media. Uh, thank you to the podcast sponsors, the Motorsport Lounge and the Forest Experience Rally School. I hope you're all keeping well and get in touch with any feedback. Stay safe.